Chapter One of Silly and Its Legends by Henry James Whitfeld. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Timothy Ferguson. Chapter One. A few months since, when on my way hither, I read a very clever little work entitled Rambles Beyond Railways. Its author, Mr. Wilkie Collins, described with much spirit, before the feeling of novelty had worn off, his early impressions of the far west and his extreme surprise and amusement at many things which he saw and heard indeed as soon as he was well in this old realm of cornwall he found himself in a marvellous strange land everything was new and striking he was no longer in the england of yesterday there a pedestrian who paid his way handsomely was treated accordingly here boys gaped after him and their parents called him a trodger landlords regarded him with a suspicious air holding him to be a low sort of road surveyor chambermaids asked whether he was too good to sleep with a sheet above and a blanket below like other folks footnote the same question was put to me he inquired his way and was directed to a road that led along the top of a hedge in one place he saw a mystery of the dark ages performed in a ruined roman amphitheatre in another helston he encountered the antique pagan floralia under the corrupted name of furry dance at a mine he was treated as a mere saxon yonker tucked under the arm of a huge miner and called my son in short after a long and charming excursion he recorded its occurrences for the delight of his readers and left cornwall fully persuaded that it was at least a century behind the rest of the world that stokers and engineers and buffers were and would long be as much a matter of faith as much a myth as piskies are now to its peasantry and that for many a year its pleasant vales were to be spared the desecration of the signal whistle footnote piskies pixies devon i e fairies a man who loses his way at night is said to be pisky led surely he thought rambles beyond railways shall still be a great fact may distant cornwall preserve inviolate her clotted cream her junket her heavy cake her figgy pudding and her savoury fish pie alas for the vanity of human wishes six months afterwards i too wandered in the track of mr wilkie collins as did poor inglis in the footsteps of don quixote but false were all his fair prophecies the hoarse roar of an engine was before me and i was seated comfortably in a first-class carriage of the railroad from redrath with a return ticket in my pocket i timed the distance from marazion road to penzance as we flew by the shore of mounts bay we did it in four minutes st michael's mount looked grandly upon us as we passed robert the norman son of the conqueror once rode along those sands and his beleaguered brother peered down upon him from the battlements above there is a memory of the druids about that hoar rock in the wood as they then called it before the sea had submerged the great plain that girded it in king charles the martyr there held his latest court amid the expiring pomp of royalty Phoenicians and Carthaginians and Romans had, by turns, robbed and ruled around that stern old Ictus, and now we rushed past it with a careless glance, going thirty miles an hour, at the will and bidding of a grimy stoker, who was looking forward to an evening with his wife and six future stokers and stokeresses, who did not care a groat for the associations and the beauties keeping their watch around. So far, therefore, there was an end of rambles beyond railways, the steam giant had won the race the romance of travel had retired further westward on the platform venerable gentlemen unmistakably of the hebrew persuasion were discussing the price of shares polite officials 
marked W.C. on their collars, received and escorted you to the door. Footnote, West Cornwall. A railway omnibus bore you to a railway hotel, and when, on arriving, you took up the times, you found Cornwall no longer an unknown country, for you had its scrip quoted there. There is something very disenchanting in this rude revulsion of place and scene. There is, as Lord Stoll called it, a laceration of feeling that is hard to bear. The beautiful and the rare are not of such frequent occurrence that we can afford to lose them thus easily, or to part from them without a pang. Our fancy may linger around a dream in which it revels and believes, even while our reason fails to be convinced. So it was with the charm lent by distance to these far spots of the earth, the old realms of Tristram and of King Mark. My imagination, at least, was no infidel. I trusted with a pious fondness in the accounts which I had heard and read, and which I had shadowed forth in my mind's eye of these simple regions. It was very hard to find so many happy anticipations frustrated, to behold such an airy fabric of hope thus abruptly overthrown. The Atlantis I had come so far to see had sunk beneath the waves, and the common things of life took its place, and rolled over its vanished beauties as though it had never been. While I was musing thus, a person by my side inquired from the waiter when the packet would sail for Scilly. The reply was, "'Tomorrow morning, should wind and weather permit.' "'Is it not then,' said I, "'a steamer?' "'No,' answered the waiter. "'No, sir, it is a sailing-boat that goes with the mails twice a week from Penzance.' So there was actually, within the British dominions, a place not only without a railway, but even without a steam-packet. Now, thought I, I can have a ramble beyond railways. I will go over to Scilly tomorrow morning. A friend of mine, during his residence in France, once fell in with an abbe who had never left his native district, surviving there in his inoffensive obscurity, the revolution, the empire, and several phases of monarchy, for so great and so wise a people as the French cannot be expected to remain content with one kind, preferring a government like a theatre des varietés. My friend rallied the old man on his want of curiosity that had kept him at home, but the worthy priest had a reply to his hand. Ah, he said, vous voyez beaucoup, vous autres anglais, et pourquoi, moi aussi, par exemple, je voyage, Marseille dans bibliothèque, je veux savoir quelque chose à cause de Angleterre, je prends César, et qui voyage, Londres, par London, c'est un vilain mot, mais Londres, grande ville, Situé sur la Thames, pe barbare, gens cannibales, et voilà tout, et c'est pour moi. I am already, I thought, in a land where a man who builds a wall is called a hedger, and into which punch never penetrates. But I am now about to venture into a pez barbare, a still wilder spot, into a spot fabulous and unexplored, the dwellers in which lately petitioned for a communication with England once in six weeks, and to which the lady of the chaplain went in the full persuasion that she would have to milk her own cow, and to perform all the usual little domestic offices entailed upon immigrants in the Australian bush, or amid the backwoods of Canada. There was a delightful vagueness and uncertainty in the future. A gentleman, to whom I mentioned my intention, advised me to take the coroner with me. I did not know but that a Phoenician bark might be moored at the pier, bearing its dyed garments from Bosra, and ready to take us venturers on the deep to those tin islands with which they still carried on a ghostly traffic. 
I went at last to sleep, dreaming that I was on the deck of a stately galley, before a fair carved altar of bronze, upon which I offered a sacrifice of frankincense to Astarte and to the Tyrian Hercules for a prosperous voyage. End of chapter 1. Recording by Timothy Ferguson.